Let's make sure history never forgets the name. Sci-fi melody. Got out. Second report, October 10th, 2090. We were nearing Halley's Comet when we saw a power-downed vessel traveling with it, seemingly attached to its orbit, if that were possible. Believing this to be our vessel in distress, we sent a team to board. We found a group of humans, all beautiful, in suspended animation, one of whom was a woman who, despite our best efforts, could not be dressed. We also found the remnants of another crew that had boarded prior to us, one crew from the HMS Churchill, a British ship. The, the five members left of that crew were dead. Upon seeing the corpse of the captain, Captain Armstrong, Ensign Kennison began to shout and cry that Captain Picard was dead. This was despite the fact that the captain was clearly ID'd. Perhaps this is the effect of his psychosis, or some other effect of the ship. This is yet to be determined. We took all the bodies aboard our vessel, and upon medical examination, the ones that had been in stasis began to suck energy from my crew, leaving them dead husks. We took all of the bodies aboard our vessel, and upon medical examination of the ones in stasis, they became reanimated and began to suck the energy from my crew, leaving them dead husks. In the end, we were able to defeat the new version of space vampires, as they were, when Dr. Colin Wilson discovered that inanimate carbon rods speared through their chest cavities would kill them. I lost half of my crew and inanimate carbon rods that day. Captain Rage Reynolds out. Sci-Fi Malady, Symptom 214, Life Force, saved by VHS, Life Forms, you precious little Life Forms, where are you? That is two Star Trek references and we have just gotten started, sickies, welcome back to Horror month on Sci-Fi Malady. Yes, what they did to Captain Picard was horrifying. <laughs> I was like, Jean-Luc, no! Use the Picard maneuver. Yeah, you mean get up and adjust your pants, your jumpsuit? Well, that's one of them, and the other one is to engage your ship at warp nine for half a second and then stop it at warp nine so you appear to be in two places, and when they scan you visually, blow them up with your photon torpedoes. Oh, okay. It only works against the stupid Ferengi. Oh, okay. Because they cheaped out on sensors. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna. You were talking about the get up and adjust your jumpsuit. The maneuver. get up and jump your adjust your jumpsuit is the other Picard maneuver. <laughs> okay. All right. So by tugging it upwards a couple yes. times. Yes, that's the Picard maneuver. Well, you know that's what happens when the the, the fabric of the future is a one piece spandex <laughs> jumpsuit. Way to go, Gene! You missed that one. So anyway, there's uh, a reason why we invented pants. Just saying. <laughs> They used them in the TOS days, and then we're like, yeah, we're done with that. We're too progressive for pants. <laughs> so, uh, going back to this one, Life Force in 1985. It was amazingly directed by Toby Hooper. And if you're wondering, I don't know that person. Well, he was famous for the film Poltergeist and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Which, on one part, explains this one, but on the other part, makes you think, wow. He really, really did a bad job. What happened? Yeah, I thought you were going to tell me that he was the inventor of Skinamax. <laughs> uh, you know, okay, that, that came up a bunch of times in the pre-show. Let me explain this. In the 1970s and 80s, horror and that were kind of linked. That's why so many horror movies were labeled X. Uh, yeah, you look at, look at Friday the 13th. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's not unheard of and... It's Obviously, happens quite a bit, but still, it's like, ah, here we go again with Mark's picks. Well, and you know, I'll, okay, I'll admit, I did not know that going in. I have never, though, seen a horror movie 
where the female lead spends 10 times more time on screen naked than she well, does clothed. Well, it's funny you say that. I was going to, I guess you're just jumping on into fun facts here. But the, the actress who played her, they just call her uh, Space Girl. Doesn't even at the time speak English. English. Yeah, she didn't speak English. She was a French ballet actress and ballet dancer. And the reason they hired her is purely because she didn't mind being naked on set. All the English actresses were uh, refusing the job. In fact, I saw it was 45, I think. Yeah, about that. And the only they, in fact, the nurse, uh, what was it, Emma? She, the initial actress, quit because she thought she was going to have to do the same thing, be naked the whole time. Uh, There was a group of German actresses that were auditioned, and they had a boycott. Turns out the boycott was spurned on by a woman who actually really wanted the role and just go to the other ones to fight back so that she would be the only one left standing who said, I'll do it. Uh, But... (laughs) Oh, boy. But nonetheless, they wound up going with Matilda May because she was the only one that said, yeah, I'll get naked for most of this movie, most of my screen time. And uh, there's some a lot of fun facts concerning the preparation of her nudity we're not going to go into. You can look that up yourself, but it was... Meh. But I will say this, whenever she was on set film, on the first day of filming her, a lot of the carpenters and teamsters decided they were going to show up that day. <laughs> <laughs> And so Toby Hooper had to make it a close set whenever she was shooting. So uh, because also the other problem was she, you know, between scenes, she wouldn't put on a robe and sit down. She would just plop down naked next to whomever. Which meant everyone who was working on the set had a really awkward time with her because she didn't really speak much English. Well, and, and she's he, just walking around naked. Yeah. Or even if because she, she learned English on the set. And she learned it from the actors. Two of the actors were supposed to have a German accent, and they were told, no, you can't because she's learning her English accent from you. So you have to speak normal English. But while once she gained enough English knowledge, she could speak to people, but it was still awkward because there's this naked 18-year-old sitting next to me. Um, Yeah, this is awkward. So... And it does. It is true that she only spent, I want to say, about twelve minutes of time in the whole movie. And of that twelve minutes, I believe eight or nine of them are her naked. The rest of the time, there is a time where she's robed somehow, and then there's a few moments where they put shadows across her just so they could get rid of the X rating, because when it came to the U.S. They not only did the shadows to cut down on the X rating, but they also cut down a number of minutes that she was in the film. In fact, the only time she willingly wore any kind of clothing, was happy to do it, was the scenes where she had to walk on glass after breaking out a window. They put rubber soles on her feet so she wouldn't cut them. That was the only time she's like, yeah, 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 that's a good idea. The robe one, I guess they had to tell her, like, you have to put a robe on. And she was kind of like, I do? Okay. So, yeah, she was really comfy about that. But let's stop talking about that. So, uh, yeah, I'll I'll have more on this later. It's just uh, I I will say that it was gratuitous. It was gratuitous because, look, the the point of it is that she's supposed to be one man's perfect vision of femininity. Yeah. This could have been conveyed with her having clothes on. No, absolutely. Absolutely. This was done. For a money grab. On purpose. Yeah. Well, and especially considering the male space vampires, they well, had to have a sock on because there was actually a rule against male nudity. Yeah. And so they had to have a sock on in the event that the camera splayed over them. Like, got some. It didn't, but just in case. Yeah. It, it, it was... Um... I don't know. In our sensibilities today, when you think about about gender equality and oh, the portrayal no, of women on screen, not it, you, no bueno today. It, it, and, and I'm not even going to say by the standards of today. I mean, I it it offended me a bit from watching yeah. it from from just the way that this woman was treated. Well, and she she was the no actress was could, willing, and that's fine. It's not like yeah. this is um uh what's his name who redid Dune. 
um, in his own version that never got. Oh, 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 uh, oh, oh. yeah, Jodorowsky. No. Yeah, this yeah. isn't Jodorowsky, but at the same point in time, you, you, you just look at it. I don't know. It's no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, she went along with it, and it didn't there need is... to be done. To me, it's what... as bad as a Michael Bay explosion for an explosion, or a J.J. Abrams mystery box for a mystery box. Right? No, that's right. You don't and have t- a story to tell if you need to do this, and you have to consider who it is. It's Toby Hooper, and this is the kind of stuff he does. So. Uh, in fact, he was kind of mad that they cut the um, they cut a lot of the film down. It was originally supposed to be 121 minutes. It was cut down or 116. It was cut down significantly because uh, 30 the first 35 minutes were supposed to be in space, and it, they cut the studio cut it down because they thought this is too much. In fact, they kind of got mad. The studio did because. At the time, they were competing for studio space against a couple other movies that wound up doing quite well. And so things ran over, like the early space sequence in the shuttle, the HMS Churchill. That was extended. Uh, this novel, this book or story, by the way, was from a novel by Colin Wilson, a 1976 or 77 novel called space vampires luckily they decide the studio decided not to call it that because that's a really dumb name so we lucked out with not calling it space vampires and but colin wilson regarded this as one of the worst adaptations of film to book so that was definitely a well you know, it, it bombed in the box office, but was as the as our title says, saved by VHS, and it became a cult classic. Even though a lot of people didn't like it, apparently. Well, there's also two versions of this. There are the the long form that you could get in a Blu-ray version, the international cut, and the domestic cut. Was it? Yeah, but the, when the, it came to America, <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, the and then there's the even longer one. Um, so, the even longer one has like a score from Mancini in it that got cut. Um, yeah, there's going to be a 15 minute cinematic or um to rival 2001, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just making that up. Yeah, but. there's going to be a 15 minute dialogue free opening sequence. Yep. Yeah. So now, um, now some of the designs in this. W- Movie were also very interesting. Yeah, like the spaceship, the vampire spaceship that's uh, phallic, phallic? And, yeah. and it was the front was designed to look like an artichoke. Literally, they used an artichoke. I mean, why not? There was some neat practical effects. I mean, when London at the end was blowing up and getting burnt, they used a model. Yeah, Remind well, me of Godzilla I'll, movie. I, I, I just forgot his name, but the guy who actually did the special effects. Uh, he was on Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. he was from Star Wars, yeah. and he did some of his work back in Los Angeles, but he like yeah. brought most of his stuff to London and taught those guys how it's yeah. done. So it's like, this guy wasn't a he nobody. Was, he was no hack. And in fact, the writer, one of the writers was Dan O'Banion, whom you might know from Alien. But that... Um, Dan O'Banion, I guess, had rat- butted heads a lot with Toby Hooper. That was a problem a lot with the production of this. There was a lot of background fighting. Um, and interesting, another no- nice little um, interesting point about this, that this film company group, the Canon Group, can also be, we can give them credit for Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, and... Masters of the Universe film with Dolph Lundergaard. Yay! Did you call him Lundergaard? He did. Yeah. Lundergaard. Well, how, how do you say his last name? Lundgren? Lundergaard? Lundgren. I don't know. Dolph Lundgren. 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 Thank you. Oh. <laughs> I never get his name right. But the point, it's not the point. The point is, they're not exactly known for dynamite work. <laughs> um, and let's get on to Patrick Stewart here, your buddy. He said he enjoyed working with Hooper. Working with this director was very nice. In fact, it is the first time Patrick Stewart has an on-screen kiss. <laughs> that, that is true, yep. <laughs> so maybe that's why he enjoyed it so much. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Patrick Stewart is an oddball when it comes to acting. I mean, you are talking about a guy who was a royal Shakespearean actor for like the first 
20 years of his career. He hadn't had very many Hollywood roles at this point. Um, it is obvious before he says a word that Patrick Stewart is on the screen because as someone once said, he has the most recognizably bald head in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's clearly him. And, uh, but, um, yeah, uh, Patrick Stewart is a lot of a professional artist or in a little bit, I think, more eccentric than we realize, which is probably why he liked working on American Dad and Ted and Blunt Talk. Because yeah. this royal Shakespearean yeah. actor likes to be a slapstick humor yeah. in stuff like blunt talk and and Ted, but um, as usual, I felt that Patrick Stewart absolutely nailed his role and as, put as, on a masterclass as a royal Shakespearean actor probably should when yeah. you give him something as simple as this, this script. Yeah. This isn't exactly the most complicated script to act out, but he does a very good job. If you ever want to see Patrick Stewart's dedication to his craft, go watch a season one episode of Next Generation, um, The Big Goodbye. And he has to communicate. Oh, yeah. He has to communicate to some aliens in their native tongue. And he gets up there and he reads this gibberish in a way that he might as well be up there giving Hamlet's soliloquy. And it's like, clack song, clack song, cloudy bark, clack, clack, clack song, gee, clack song, chanang, cloudy bark. And he's absolutely reading this gibberish <laughs> that kids would write and say, this is not real. And he's giving up production here like he might as well be doing Hamlet. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see how Ruck uses what you just said. Clack song, watch where he's eccentric too he snuck this one past the censors in next generation there's a season six episode where his professor of archaeology visits and gives him um an artifact and he's holding it and the artifact is phallic shape <laughs> and he puts it where it extends from his crotch and as he's talking to Riker, goes look at the enormity and he draws the word out <laughs> and you see jonathan frake struggling to hold a straight face through the take and patrick stewart if there's no way he's not doing this on purpose with with how he takes his craft seriously well it, he sneaks a huge phallic joke in the middle of Star Trek The Next Generation. Well, I, oh, I've man. seen the behind some behind the scenes and stuff with him, and he always seems to be a very lighthearted uh, character when he's not acting. Making jokes, lighthearted. But when he's acting, he goes all out. Oh, and they've said that, like, the people who work with him on Next Gen said he demanded something out of them that they weren't used to. Mm. And it took them a minute, and it brought everything up. But now we're reviewing Patrick Stewart. Exactly. <laughs> so let's get back because which uh, is still better than anything we're going to talk about in this film. So uh, I'll just throw in a couple more fun facts here. Uh, I said that the space sequence at the beginning had to be cut down, uh, and that was disappointing to the actors because also they had to be. Oh, I, I said Globus, the company, uh, they made Superman 4 and they were able to do it with these harnesses they used in this movie. Because to simulate them floating in space, they had to f put them on harnesses 40 feet above the ground. And even some of the actors got sick because the way it was jerking them around or whatever. I don't know. Final fun fact. Toby Hooper directed the video for Dancing With Myself by Billy Idol, and Billy Idol was going to get a part as one of the space vampires in this movie. Oh, that would have been awesome. What stopped it? What? What stopped it? Billy was on tour ah. and couldn't make it. That was it. Oh, that would have added a point to this <laughs> horrible movie. But he was like one step away from being one of the space vampires in stasis. Oh, crap. Am I tipping my hand? I think you are. Yeah, you are. But 
since you since I just talked about stasis, I'll do a quick little plot rundown. I did most of it honestly in the descri- in the intro, but there's n- there's not much of a plot. Yeah, I mean there isn't. A, it's probably the book was better as always, but Rage Masters one minute plot summary. Ready, set, go. The HMS Churchill. So. <laughs> it was about, now this Philip. The book was set in the future, in the late 21st century. This they decided to make it modern day because I don't know. And in what happened was the vessel, the HMS Churchill, which was a joint British-American uh, mission, was going to Halley's Comet. Oh, that's another no. point. Halley's Comet. In the book, it was an asteroid belt where they found the vessel. It was Halley's Comet in here because Haley's comet was set to show up in a year after the film was made. So that was the big, Oh, let's use that. Yeah. Except again, we wouldn't be visiting the Haley's comet, especially England because England doesn't have its own space program. Especially with a space shuttle, which was not designed to do deep space exploration. Yes. Anyway, that was was another, that was another, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a, uh, uh, what do you call What you call it? That was a Michael Bay mistake, but yeah, so it, it was one of those, you go, Hey, that's the American space shuttle. Why does the English have an American space shuttle? Which, I mean, it's a joint British-American thing. Okay, but... but Not really, but, but okay. Well, for the film, I'll suspend that disbelief. Yeah. But a shuttle going out that far? I mean, it's better than putting air intakes on it like Michael Bay did. <laughs> we all know air intakes are Look, really, really good useful in space. In space. Why wouldn't we put those on there? Anyway, uh... <laughs> Um, oh, but that's a family movie. It brings everyone together. It does. You know, Scott and, I Scott. Ch- Scott and I had a chat about that earlier. We'll talk later. But so in Space Vampires, the HMS Churchill comes across this vessel that's orbiting the comet. It's following behind Something it? like that. So they decide to go in, inside to see people that are there. And they wind up finding these three humans in stasis. They take them aboard the vessel, take it back home, but then the space agency gets word that the vessel in the HMS Churchill isn't responding. Isn't responding. They send another vessel up to find out that everyone's dead except for these three people. They bring them back down to London. They find the three husks of, or they find the husks of crew, and then in one of the creepier scenes, they go to do an autopsy. The guard that has been dead for two hours, but looks like he's been dead for 20 years, wakes up, sucks the life force energy out of a guy, and is back to normal. Well, he got s- turned into this by the uh, Other woman. Other vampire, yeah. The leader. So they wind up putting these other two guards who in these jail cells who, because they can't get any more life force energy, they blow up. Literally. The woman, on the other hand who's the space vampire queen, let's say. Well, you also have an interesting thing that when these creatures wake up originally and become these space vampires, they release a lot of electrical energy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they have to suck it back in, I guess. And then they have to suck up humans' electrical energy, which is way less. Yep. So Matilda, space girl, they don't ever name her, she wakes up walks out of the place and then starts inhabiting the minds of other women and walking around England, absorbing just enough energy so as to not leave anyone suspecting her. And it all culminates in her trying to create a turning London into a vampiric hell where everybody's sucking each other's life force out and they're all channeling her energy through to, yeah, I know Scott's not here (laughs) and they all channel that energy into her and she sends it in a, beam of light up to space to the vampire vessel there just like every other sci-fi movie that is a laser shooting into space and uh the whole time they're trying to find her you have an sas colonel and the u.s air force colonel who the u.s air force colonel um carlson is telepathically addicted to her and connected to her and you come to find out that these people these vampires have been visiting earth for years and that's how we have the idea of a vampire and yeah, it's a convoluted plot. It's that, messy. And I, I apparently there's a bunch. They changed a bunch of stuff, not just the timeline from the book. 
Yeah, they changed a lot, actually. I don't know if this the death method is the same, too. Like, a pure iron rod just under the heart. Yeah, one of the vampire guards gets killed that way by another doctor who becomes a space vampire himself, and he gets killed, and blah, blah, blah. In the end... Well, the other thing that kills him is just blowing him up. But also, yeah. Which the, is like, well, yeah, blow them up seems to work all the time, but... yeah. Okay, and then in the end, Carlson manages to kill Space Girl and himself while basically making love to her in an altar yeah. in Whitehall. Yeah, it gets very weird yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting movie. I see why it became a cult classic in that, yeah, it has to have a very niche audience because it was a box office disaster. So. Even though it was a very big budget film. Oh, it was huge. Well, they thought because it was Toby Hooper that he would deliver this awesome, mind-blowing movie. Well, wasn't it by a, a company that was already tanking? And they Yeah, Globus, did... they weren't doing too hot to begin with. They were known for a lot of B-flicks to yeah. begin with. So they were so. trying to get money and trying to get something going. And they thought, yeah. we got the great, we got a great script, we got a great director, we're going to throw money at this, yeah. and we're going to get it back. But the script doctors even got blown off. Dan O'Banion allegedly did. And like I said, the other two big movies they made were Masters of the Universe and Superman 4. Not exactly a winner, winning combination. And pl- uh, not only that, when this movie came out... Um, oh, yeah, and also during that time, they lost films. They There was the film Legend with Tom Cruise. And uh, what was the other one? I think Labyrinth was going on at the same time. So they lost out to other bigger, more famous productions. And uh, when the movie debuted in out, especially in the U.S., the big problem was it came out the same week as like Goonies. And oh, there was another big one. I forget. It might have been Labyrinth, but it, it, it had a and bad then, time when it, it came and out. And it actually beat. It actually fell behind Rambo: First Blood Part Two. So Rambo Two, even though Rambo Two had been out in theaters for like four or five weeks, but back then, honestly, a movie could stay in the theater for two months and do well because this was the only way you were going to see it. You said the movie had a big problem and what it was up against. Yeah. The movie had a big problem that it sucked. Well, no, well, hang on, though. Hang on. It did suck, but... It does have a niche audience. But the that problem is, whatever traction it could have potentially made, however minor, lost to... Because let's say, remember, back then, when you went to the movies, this was it. You went with enough change to see one movie. And so you, when you looked at what was out, you kind of had to guess, all right, what do I want to see? Do I want to see a Spielberg flick Goonies? That could be good. Do I want to see this thing with David Bowie, that, the good kids movie? Ooh, Rambo 2. I liked part one. Or Life Force. Which, let's be honest, it's, it's poster doesn't exactly... Yeah, if anything. And, if, and what are you going to do? Ask the kid at the ticket counter, what's that about? Oh, it's about a naked space vampire chick. Well, okay. Well, I got the kids with me. Guess we're watching Labyrinth. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, this was one that you definitely said, I'll watch it on VHS when it comes out. Which is what happened. That's exactly what happened. So uh, we keep saying this movie sucks. So I guess that's the point of time today. Do the rips and picks. I'm going to do the first pick. And it's going to be the scene that hooked me into seeing this movie. It almost wound up at last year's month because the 80s. But this, even though a lot of the terror happens on Earth, I'll say it's still terror in space because the vessel is still there. The vampires, they first encounter them in space. It's terror in space! Technicalities. I'm trying. So, the scene where you have the first autopsy and you see the actual life force coming out of the doctor... The first time I saw that, it was on a real quick clip. And it was actually kind of terrifying because the sound, that scene took hours and like a crew of 20 people to pull off. And just the sound of, you know, and this this guy looking at his hands and then I guess somehow charming the doctor to come over and let himself get sucked to death. Yeah, I know drained uh that that was actually a very well done scene that even though it's dated effects wise 
it's still creepy as all get up. I'll agree with you. For for nineteen eighty five, there were some really good effects work. There's some bad effects work, but there's some really good effects work in this for nineteen eighty five. The floating through space scene that you yeah. talked yeah. about, uh the 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 desiccation of the human bodies. Uh, there's good sound work. Anytime uh, Mancini's involved, you're gonna have great well, I mean, sound Doctor, work. Doctor ex- Armstrong getting turned into a blood puddle while all the blood goes in. That was a good yeah. wax. Which, that was a good Madame Tussauds wax model. Which, yeah. by the way, of Patrick Stewart. By the way, that that was Matilda May, the space girl turning into blood version. That her, her the actress was really there, and that was her 19th birthday. Her 19th birthday was getting covered in fake blood, and. Fil- filmed wow wow what a birthday gift happy birthday uh. <laughs> yeah it, it's even don't go there, you, you also had some great um extra work they managed mm-hmm. to give you a really good scope of a city under panic of a zombie vampire attack yeah so there, there were some really good things that this film did, especially for 1985. One of the neat effects, too, was when Patrick Stewart, when Dr. Anderson was on the bed and they were communicating, they were giving him pentothal so they could talk to the vampire girl. Remember when everything was spinning? Mm-hmm. The room was spinning. It was supposed to simulate 1G, but it just didn't do a great job. The acting, um, the acting was also the, I mean, very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and when I find out that um, Matilda May had never acted before or even though they spoke did, English? English even though they didn't give yeah. her many lines or much to do just if you don't have acting experience walking to your mark naturally can appear stilted like, yeah and you're inexperienced you, you didn't catch that she had no acting experience in this entire film so I will give the acting credit overall on this the the effects for 1985 it was good the explosions were good. The, yeah. I mean, the the transfer of energy even was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, electricity yeah. and shock and... Rips, 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 rips. <laughs> Which would de- go right into Scott's rip. Uh, Churchill. Ah. We found three bodies in stasis. Two nude males and a nude female. We don't have visual. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have visual. <laughs> I'd say she's perfect. I've been in space six months, and she looks perfect to me. Oh, can we get any creepier at this moment? Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. But I just, that one just, oh, we don't have visual. <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing that my wife brought up, get back to Earth. Have we figured out how to get the girl out of her stasis pod? She's like, why do they only care about the naked girl out of the stasis pod? Would anyone care about the two naked guys in the stasis pod? Nah. We're just really yeah. obsessed with, can we get this naked girl out of the stasis pod? Yeah. Okay. No. Um, can we be a little less obvious in our sexism? <laughs> Not for 1985, we can't. I think no. for 1985, that's bad. It is. No. Well, it, again, for it's still, a... It, it, I get what you're trying to say, Mark. For the guy that did Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I'd say, no, you can't get better than that. But I just thought those two set the tone. Those three things set the tone for the one. We don't have visual. She's perfect. And um, have we got the girl out of the stasis pod yet? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, Mark, you are correct that being who directed it, you're definitely going to get it. It's still sexist as oh, I would get out. Oh, oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I just thought of another one. When they're trying to corral her as she's leaving, the one dude comes down with like a bit of a cracker. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come to daddy. Come here. It's not a dog. Why are you luring what you think is a human female with a bit of a cracker? Come to daddy. Uh, yeah. You deserve everything that is about to happen to you. You are luring this woman to you with a cracker. Like it's a dog. <laughs> well, at least it's yeah. not. It's not even a full bit of food. It's like half a potato chip. At least it wasn't come zombies. On, come here. That come guy here, doesn't have here. any brains to eat. It was a vampire, so at least there was something there. Yeah. I just. No I'm brains. watching this stuff and I'm like, what the freak am I watching? <laughs> well, the whole thing at times I'm just like, what? I mean, for 
I'm, I'm rooting for the alien bad guy to just kill this guy viciously at that point because I'm like, yeah. you're scum. Well, there's other times when I'm watching it and it makes no sense. The I'm world's like, better without you. Yeah, there's times like we're watching them trying to track this down, and I'm like, you guys are terrible at this. Tracking them down, you should know. Oh, we have a cr- crash, you know, the skate pod. What do you do? Do you secure it? No, you just run up to it. What on earth? You guys are the worst. No wonder the space vampires got away because you guys have no containment. I'm also going to say Colonel What's-His-Name is the most amazing phlebotomist the world has ever seen because he found a vein for the sodium pentothal by blindly jabbing it into Patrick oh, Stewart's Carlson. arm. Carlson? Yes. Yeah. yes. They, they're constantly... It doesn't work like that. If you jab a, a needle into someone's arm and you don't hit a vein, you're not injecting it into anything. It's not getting into the bloodstream. Well, you can't just stick a needle into someone and inject it d- and it's going to work. It's got to get in a vein. It depends on what it is, Scott. It does depend on what it is. Well, if it's acid, sure. Well, no, you're right. But pentothal, you actually kind of need to get in the bloodstream. I mean, the shots... Most things you do. There are shots that you don't need to get in the bloodstream. You need muscle. There are certain chemical combinations for battlefield medicine that you don't need the bloodstream. But that's, again, battlefield medicine. It's specially designed that if you hit not a bloodstream, you're still okay with it. Yeah, but it might not take effect like that. No, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But, I, I mean... You, it depends uh, on, he, again, what you he took. He magically finds a vein through a suit. <laughs> More than likely, you broke the needle. Well, actually, I was about to say you would break the needle going through the suit. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially with the kind of force he did. and. Oh, yeah. That that needle is shattered. You can't punch someone with a needle. Uh, Oh, man. I'm taking all the rips. Um, I got one. I got one. Okay. Dr. Falada. He just happens to have that medieval looking spear. (laughs) because Because he's researching life force for lack of a better term he just happens to have a medieval looking buffy the vampire slaying spear it just comes out of left field of just hey well i see you uh got a cool looking spear there a pole arm so uh you planning on spearing the black knight i mean what is this <laughs> yeah well how about this the professor of the afterlife oh yeah i'm sorry what who gave you funding this that you are now a professor of the afterlife how are you researching that one buddy i know that's a i'm glad you brought that up that was one of my rips too there's that's a thing now i mean i know we have a lot of uh, dumb majors in in the west here but that one's pretty i I get that's like one step from sandwich repair there's philosophy and that studies it like what happens when we die do we this thought process, there's whole fields of study that's that a class, dabble. That's a major. Well, well, they dabble in it. Or that's part of it where they might ask that question. But your entire major and your whole field. I know. You're a PhD. It, I'm How? A, I'm a veterinary doctor. Uh, and my specialty, and the only thing I can treat, is unicorns. Because they don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> or centaurs. I can treat centaurs, too. That would really be backfiring if one walked in the room now. <laughs> oh, thank God. I've been looking for one of you guys. Oh, okay. I have the treatment for you. Here's a gallon of bleach. Drink it. <laughs> You're cured of life. In fact, in fact, take a couple more just in case. Oh, it hasn't kicked in yet? It's another gallon. Call me in the morning. <laughs> so, yeah. no that, but that. But it makes sense now that we know he's studying the afterlife. He just has a ancient looking spear type weapon made of does it iron. does it make just, sense just in case he has to kill vampires or the fey folk <laughs> right. and, in case and, in case one of the aliens happens to be lord oberon carlson is apparently hiding the fact that he has the strength of lou ferrigno because he can <laughs> just with that spear with his hands over her back just like tricep extension, he, pull that spear but, through her. But and he him. was in the the life force vortex where apparently he was also a vampire because she was like, "You're one of us." Yes, Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime is not pulling a spear through two people that way. Yeah, well, it's not happening. You know. Well, also, let's go into maybe the whole, if he was a Terminator, he's yeah. gonna do it. Also, apparently, they've been visiting Earth for a long time, and they are the last three now. What? 
Yeah, I know, right? Well, the other ones were like bird creatures in sta- I don't know. They yeah. were all bird creatures. No, no, they're all. They chose the form. They chose, they chose the, form. the human form. It's like Ray's stance. I thought of something that couldn't hurt me. <laughs> Which also brings up, okay, so the woman is, that's the old idea of a perfect woman. Did the men get their ideas? Where did they? That's a good point. How come there's two men then? If they were all straight, why are you all like. The women. Huh? There was a woman. Oh, there was crew. a woman there. Okay. So and the did, guys just stood there. Okay. Yeah. So did the wi- woman project onto them? So would so then because that, those two did look very similar. So then that begs the ratio question. If there was only one or two women, how come there were two guys? Did the women have more vivid imaginations that they could latch onto? I'm uh, let's not too, go there. I'm looking She's way too deep to into be this. The leader, She's supposed to be the leader. That's true, but okay. You know, what? I'm I'm just looking way too much into this, especially considering, and this is a oh, rip, oh, by oh, the way. Okay. The end lovemaking scene. Are you trying to eat her face? <laughs> I mean, yes. really. You look like you're a teenager that's never done this before. And But then again, I've heard that half the cast was on coke during the shot, during the set. In fact, there was a joke that part of the budget was being used for coke. It was the 80s. Half the population was so, on coke. So it's, uh, it's you know... There was a there was a shadow part of the budget used for coke. So for all I know, they were and uh, they were too high. To, I, I mean, I'm not. They were experimenting we are with not bath endorsing salts. Drug, we are not endorsing drug use right they now. They were the first but. users of bath salts. <laughs> Must be because because there's nothing. I I can only imagine that the director Hooper thought he was being erotic. But when you watch the scene, you're just like, stop doing well, when that. You, just, just stop. I don't want to watch this You hit it a little too anymore. on the nose during the compilation scene when you impale both of them through the chest yeah. with the phallic shaped spear. You're just, you're just like, stop this. I don't want to watch this. And then well, I found myself skipping past it. Oh, like, I, I was skipping awful. through a lot. I was I I, at a lot some. of points. I just like, oh, I know what's coming here. Let's skip through this five minutes. Well, and it doesn't like they don't actually <sighs> show anything at that particular scene but uh well okay okay compared to i would be i would be shocked to learn that this film wasn't aired a lot on cinemax 2 after midnight oh i'll bet (laughs) but i'm just saying you see it you're just like this looks awful i do not want to watch this i'm well no no here's the thing Uh, well i got one more minor rip before i segue into that big rip okay um these creatures are evolutionarily flawed. And if you don't believe in evolution, just assume that if evolution did exist, you you have certain... They're um, flawed. Y- yeah, you, you, you develop certain ways because it's beneficial to life. Two hours to have to find your next victim is not a good yes. cycle. How are uh, they but, still but alive? Beyond that, having to transfer the energy from one person to another, and while you're doing it, shooting a beam to your prone queen that lights up the only part <laughs> in your body that can be killed, and for some reason, by leaded iron, not steel, that's, that's like pointing a big bullseye on your heart that says, stab here! Yep. Even even it's, vampires in myth game. aren't that yeah. stupid. I'm going to show you where to stab me. It's a video game, boss. Yes. Here's the weak point. <laughs> Oh, Hit it, the weak point. It reminds me of Suicide Squad, where the uh, the main bad guy or girl who was doing more, bu- who was more busy dancing than anything else, had a glowing part on her chest where you're supposed to get her heart. So wait, you've indicated where to kill her, where to shoot or stab or whatever, and you've actually you're and they kept telling you we got to get the heart and end this i think we know given that you put a video game size weak spot lighting her chest up <laughs> right well, yeah. we know to get the heart thanks but no you, scott is absolutely right because my thing was you are creating more vampires but the entire life cycle of a vampire is you must in two hours of death you come back and then you have two hours to find your next victim or you die permanently. So that means every two hours you must find a new yeah. victim. Yeah. And, and, so and, it and it's question. also like a crazy reproduction cycle because basically only three of them are really alive. Everything yeah. else is just made to reproduce as quickly as it can and reproduce to send energy back to them. Yes. This is one of the most inefficient reproductive uh, feeding sustaining systems that you could ever come up with. This is where we talked about it last week. 
When you create an alien, you need to think through this alien's weakness and the abilities you give it to see if it could possibly exist in the real world somehow. Yeah. This thing never could. And you got to come up with the, um, with over how they would overcome that. If you watch the cartoon or read the comic Invincible, there's those aliens that come into the Earth to take it over. But unfortunately, because of some temporal issue, after being in Earth for two minutes, they die. They like rapidly age in advance. So they have to go back to their world. And what's like three centuries to them is four days to us. And they have to develop a technology that gives them a stasis field. Otherwise, they can't live in our world. But they've come up with a reason why when the aliens reinvade, here's why they can do it. They have some technology that helps them survive. Destroy the technology, they die. Yeah. You can't do that with these aliens, though. Because, as you said, well, and here's the other thing, too. So what? When they're draining all of London... Is that going in some battery that, like, every two hours someone has to go and tap into? Not that they tell you, by the way. Well, how about this one? Apparently, they've been visiting Earth multiple times throughout. How? Yeah. They're following a comet. Do they now fly the ship from the comet to Earth? Every and then... 76 years? Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Also, why haven't we actually caught this before? Because apparently they have a massive appetite and we would have noticed entire cities completely disappearing. You you would think, yeah, especially with a giant laser shooting into space, somebody would write about that. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. So. Oh, Rock, edit that out. Somebody would do. So, yeah, this doesn't seem like a very... um, feasible threatening race of space alien vampire i mean they're more deadly than the ones from last week the one from last week uh uh, a paper cut ends their life yeah yes so at least we got that i mean this space girl walked across broken glass seems to me she should have given those shoes to john mcclain at christmas time (laughs) nakatomi plaza would have been pretty useful but otherwise shoot the glass (laughs) um i thought one more rip all right. Okay. I understand them desiccating and drying up. What is the mechanism that makes the human body explode into a pile of sand? Cool factor? <laughs> Michael Bay! <laughs> well, uh, and you do understand them desiccating? Because you, could see, okay. because you could argue if they had too much energy, that happens, but they're clearly deficient, so why are they blowing up? There's no energy to cause Well, also to actually decay like that, that would wouldn't that take energy because you're breaking water bonds? Yeah, yeah. I could see them like falling apart, but actually they do sort of. The when the one, the one. Well, okay, wait a minute now. No, no. The one falls over. He doesn't blow up. The other one runs at the cage bars, hits the cage bars, and that's what causes him to go poof. It wasn't him blowing up necessarily as much as he collided yeah, with the... Yeah, but and one of them actually struggle. just explodes yeah. strapped to the table. Oh, yeah, that's right. The girl. Yep. The, the big rip I have with this film, the big rip... Okay. ...is that you could have told this story In- without the gratuitous sexuality throughout the whole thing. It's sure. not necessary. It could have made a better story. Right. And... and well, that, to me, is the biggest problem. with. I, I think the problem why you got that was because of the director that was chosen. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we, we may sound prudish here, but I happen to agree. It's one of those things. You know, Gene Wilder was once asked in an interview if he would swear while on film. And I'm not going to repeat the words he chose, but he said, well, yeah, if there's a purpose for the dialogue in the movie, I'll drop an F-bomb. But... I was about to say that. I'm not against nudity in films if it serves the purpose of the film. If it's just there to be nudity for no other reason. Yeah, well, it reminds me of like The Witcher from uh, the Netflix Witcher. There was a scene where the one girl was casting a spell, but she was doing it topless. And my wife was like, is there a reason she has to be half naked to do this? And I was like, you're right. It is tasteless. It's... It is really just there for no other reason than 
I want to show her topless. And and you you got to wonder, too, if the actress is thinking the same thing, like, uh, and why do I have to do this? Why is this important? Like, are you going to explain why this, does this spell require a topless person to do? And it doesn't. It's not, it's just there. And it's the same thing here. Um, if you're gonna, okay, they're naked in their stasis pods. Okay, I guess I, that makes sense, I guess. But after that, do you really need them to be naked walking around? I mean, the argument, and if the argument is, well, that's how she seduces them. She does it when she goes into that nurse's body and that woman was fully clothed the entire film. Right. Oh, by the way, that's a rip. That's a rip. Hang on. Okay. When Carlson starts slapping that nurse around, saying she's a masochist and she enjoys it, and then he's like, if you don't want to watch, I suggest you get out of here, and the SAS colonel sits down and goes, ah, I'm a voyeur. Yeah, I fast-forwarded through yes. that whole scene because I saw where it was going, and I will tell you, I, I just Now, no one got naked. Scene. No one got naked. No, I caught that part, and that was like a what the... Yeah, that's, yeah. that's no one painful... got naked, thankfully, and it didn't go much further. But that was bad enough. That yeah. was like, what? Are you kidding me? This made it into the final cut. It's like censors. Where were you? Yeah, it, it, it kind of. I'm a voyeur and took a seat, and yeah. When you put it all together, I I felt that this was less about telling a story than about putting on an exhibition well, of flesh. Well, Colin Wilson, the guy who wrote the novel, even said this was one of the worst film adaptations of a book ever made. He dis- he was disgusted by it. There's nothing original in this film. It, it's, it's bad derivative. There's nothing original. On, on, on its lowest level, it's, it's borderline... Um, look, at its lowest level, it's just a flesh film. At its highest level, it's it's the same old vampire zombie stuff that we've seen forever. But with space. But with space. This is just as bad as a J.J. Abrams mystery box for a mystery box or Michael Bay having the explosions Gotta communicate to someone. Up. Gotta blow it up. I so. mean, yeah. It, it, there's nothing... This is the bad derivative. And then it'll right. let Ruck have fun with the word derivative again. But yeah. there's nothing... There's nothing original. There's nothing creative to this film. And it, it baffles me that someone like... Patrick Stewart signed on to do it, honestly. Well, well maybe he, he was, didn't read the whole script he, and just well, his parts. It turns out he was kind of a last-minute addition. There was someone else set to do it, and allegedly the actor's salary got cut in half, so he walked, and when Patrick you, Stewart was brought in very much last minute. Yeah, when you, when you audition 45 women for the role of the female lead, and they don't want it, well, I, I looked it up. That tells it says you a lot thousands of what you were interviewed. Thousands were interviewed. That tells said, you so. a lot of what you need to know about the quality of what you're about to watch. I'm not against films. Like, Forbidden World was, you know, another one of these. Bad, but at least it right. was just the one part. Right. At least you were trying to tell a story. I don't think you're trying to tell a story here. I, I really think, don't. I think they are trying to tell a story. He just got lost in his own little... Fantas- perverted fantasies there whatever there could have been was overshadowed was, by the effects and the nudity and yeah it was whatever secondary it was, was yeah secondary. it was the effects and plus like i said the writers the script doctors and dan o'banion they, they were all kind of shoved aside after their work so yeah um and a few scenes that they made were either never filmed or they were filmed and got found their way to the cutting room floor so I sound rather prudish in this review. I just sure, but it's, it's not, not that wrong. It's, right. It's, it's not, not that wrong. any of this stuff in its own minor instances are offensive or bad. But this is just piled on after piled on after piled on, and it's like, where's the look, story at this point? Look, I I rec- I'm uh, a the- a philosopher and theologian once said, "What's the difference between nudity and art, and like a Renaissance painting, for example, and porn?" And he said, "What's the difference?" And he said, it's how you are, are you edifying or objectifying? He said, in the case of the artist, they are trying to paint the body as God sees it. They're trying to say, look, the, look at the beauty of creation here. Whereas in the case of a pornographer, it's objectifying. Look at this object you can enjoy. 
And that's really what it is here. This was not um this was not done for any particular reason to display art. This was done because well, I mean, look at the first day of shooting. And the makeup artist who had to spend like uh, a a bunch a lot of time. I thought we weren't putting, bringing that up. No, I said the ma- what? Oh, I'm not going to go that far. I'm oh, just okay. going to say the makeup artist who had to apply makeup to her body. And um he said it was the most enjoyable part of the show, movie, but um you know, and the guy is all the teamsters and the carpenters that decided to show up on first day of shooting to see this. It's it it really is just leering leering perversion and that's what it comes down to so i think scott you know you've explained every reason you would for why you're going to give your rating so i think it's just time for you to actually put a number to this and yep. uh, yeah we're going to be rating it uh how many space vampires uh th- this gets zero space vampires and, it, and that's back-to-back zeros i believe wow. from me. yeah for you, you that is a double bad. zero wow and, and uh, there's nothing redeeming nothing redeeming enough about this movie to it's i don't know it it doesn't work to me as a horror movie it's not scary it doesn't make me think it doesn't really entertain me that much it's it's not there's nothing here there's nothing it's just recycled rubbish on all levels nothing creative thomas uh i don't i i i don't think i can give it a zero i can't it's not a five, it's not a four, it's not a three. I mean, it's not good. It's not like any kind of really good film here. It's n- not the worst either. Some of the sh- shots, some of the effects. I think I'm going to give it two. Yeah, I'm about in the same vein. It's two or three. There is a story in here, clearly that could have been decent and you see it trying to get out but then it gets muddled in either the science the the effects or some bizarre acting scene or uh just the way the the movie just keeps taking these weird turns uh leonard martin malton said the same thing it's just it's enjoyable for the oddity and the bizarreness of it and so the story never gets a chance to manifest itself very well. Um, the effects are great, though. The effects and the acting are great. That's not the problem of this film. Um, and But again, because the story isn't really there, and because it's gratuitous for the sake of being gratuitous, I mean, this is the guy that did Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and somehow that was not as bad in perversity as this so yeah i'm gonna give it like you know give it one for the effects and acting two for a story we'll say 1.5 for the effects and 1.5 for acting in a story that's trying to get out there so that gives it a two or three it does not weigh highly on our radar here so it's it's kind of movie we're not going to watch again more or less um and that's unfortunate so so far usually horror month is the kind of month where we always pick a movie like the first year we picked up uh, uh, Jason X. We'd watch that again just for kicks and laughs. Um, and there's other ones as well. Last year, I'd watch Terror Vision again just for kicks. But these last two movies, Queen of Blood and Life Force, and, I've seen them. And that's telling Jason X and, and Terror Vision have a lot of these... um juvenile moments sure. in them but they somehow do he's it better he's almost done with the campers but it doesn't dominate the whole film no is the point so so but yeah yeah so but i'm i'm thinking the next two episodes should be better they're more modern films you know what horror month isn't disappointing because i think we've still done some good quality episodes or symptoms we in have and i still love horror month the best yeah. but speaking of that if you want to, sickies, if you should right now enjoy the horror theme, go check out Case of the Chills. They've just recently done one about the Cecil Hotel, and that was a very good episode. She also did one. Layla also did the Bermuda Triangle, something that I always think Scott loves for some reason. And also, 
And also you could check out the other one, Cold Case Chase and uh, Cross-Examination. Cold Case Chase will be coming to Cleveland soon, by the way. And of course, over it all, Zodiac Task Force. But in the meantime, what if you want to contact us at RavingLunaticMedia.com, RavingLunaticMedia.com, RavingLunaticMedia.com. Ragemaster, what's left for them to do? Stay sick, sickies. Don't die, battery. I've seen this one. I've seen this one. This is a classic. This is our uh, sci-fi melody. Dresses up as a man from space. What do you mean you've seen this? It's brand new. Yeah, well, I saw it on a rerun. <laughs>